Wednesday, March 20th, 2019, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado, and we are back for another day of talking sports with a dose of common sense, which I think we can all agree is desperately needed today. Hey, happy Wednesday to you. We are happy to have you here with us today. Hey, if you'd like to contact the show, maybe let us know how your week is going so far. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email dailydosesports at gmail.com or you can go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at dailydosesports. If you've got a question for the show, if you've got a comment for the show, maybe you need a little advice, reach out to us. We would love to hear what you have to say. Also, make sure you go over to tpublic.com Search Daily Dose, scroll down until you see our logo, and there you can find a number of Daily Dose items. We've got t-shirts, we've got sweatshirts, we've got hoodies, and it is quality stuff. tpublic.com will ship it out to you in a reasonable amount of time, and they're always having sales over there. So you've got to make sure to at least check in and see what kind of sales are running at tpublic.com, because when they have a good sale, they have a really good sale, and you can pick up a number of Daily Dose items over there. Be sure to stop by tpublic.com. Also, Marsh Madness get started for real tomorrow. I know we've kind of had, you know, the goofy play-in games going these first two days, but tomorrow it gets going and it gets serious. So make sure you stop by ESPN and join the tournament challenge over there. And when you do, go join the Daily Dose Sports Podcast group over there. Just go to the groups tab, search Daily Dose, and then join our group. The winner of the Daily Dose Bracket Challenge this year we are going to ship you a Daily Dose t-shirt courtesy of tpublic.com. So make sure that you go fill out your bracket. You know you're filling out brackets anyways. It doesn't cost anything. Hey, and if you have a perfect bracket, I think you win like a million bucks from ESPN. So that is definitely worth filling out a bracket challenge for. Hey, today on the show, we do have a few things to take care of this week, but never fear because we have some of the best of the Daily Dose for you. Today, we are flashing way back. We are going back to some of the early days of the Daily Dose. The NFL had actually just handed out their punishment for Deflategate to the New England Patriots. Were the Patriots just a victim of their own success? Talk about that a little bit. We also handed out a few 2015 NBA season end awards to a couple different players. And then, in light of Deflategate, we even have a Daily Dose top five for you. I hope you enjoy this flashback edition of the Daily Dose Sports Podcast. Wednesday, May 13, 2015, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, sports writer from Denver, Colorado. Hey, you know, we release a new podcast every Wednesday, bringing you just a little bit different of an outlook on the world of sports than you will find anywhere else. You know, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, or if you're an Android person and you don't, you know, use an iPhone or an iPod or whatever, uh, go over to Podcast Republic or go to Podcast Addict, and they will get you taken care of. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast there. That way, you don't miss any episodes. As soon as the new one comes up, you just click refresh. It comes right up to your device, and you can listen to it whenever you need to. Uh, hey, if you get a chance, share the podcast. You know there's some some sports fans uh, that you work with or maybe that are family members, maybe just, that are just friends. Make sure that they get a chance to hear it as well. If you would like to contact me, a few different ways you can do it. And I've heard from a few of you this week. I've actually heard from some people this week. Uh, a couple ways you can contact me. Twitter handle at Daily Dose Sports. Same same name for Facebook. That is D-A-L-Y Dose Sports. Uh, website. If you haven't been over to the website, I encourage you to go over there. We put up new articles every week. Maybe have a poll. Maybe have some comparisons. A couple different things you want to check out. The website is dailydosesports.wordpress.com. You can find us there. If you would like to email the show directly, 
And I have had some emails this week I want to talk to you about in, in just one minute. Uh, the email address, dailydosesports at gmail.com. You can send something directly to the show. It's kind of funny. Uh, because, you know, we put out the show every week. I've told you in the past, our numbers are, are, are slowly but steadily going up. And I do appreciate that so much. Uh, I heard from a number of Patriot fans this week. I heard a lot of things from some Patriot fans. Uh, never fear. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, Deflategate a little bit and, and, and kind of give you a different look at that. Uh, I've heard from some Patriot fans this week saying that they are planning to boycott the first few games of the season, especially that first night. Uh, they're going to boycott those games and, and either not go to the game or not watch. So that was interesting. But I actually heard uh, from an, an emailer, and, and I'm going to mess this name up, and, and I apologize in advance, uh, Arkady, A-R-K-A-D-Y, in the Russian Federation that said that they listen to the Daily Dose over in Russia and they enjoy the show. How about that? We have our first Russian listener. Uh, enjoy that. Appreciate it so much and, and thank you so much for emailing us. Uh, it, it's nice to know that you're out there. Hey, this week, we do want to talk a little bit about the NFL. Uh, obviously, Deflategate and the, and the big story with Tom Brady, but I think there's a, a couple things that I think the, the mass media outlets are missing when they're looking at this story. we got to hand out some NBA awards. I know we've, we're a little bit late handing out some NBA regular season awards. Here we are, you know, two, three weeks into the playoffs, and we haven't gotten to those awards just yet. Uh, and if we get a chance, we're going to talk some Major League Baseball, maybe some some uh, NHL hockey. And, and, of course, you never, ever want to miss the Daily Dose Top 5, a very, very popular segment that you always uh, want to make sure that you stick around for. We've got some news coming out today uh, that I do want to get to before we really, really get going. Uh, first off, uh, former University of North Carolina head coach Bill Guthridge, who served three years as an assistant to Dean Smith, did pass away today at the age of 77. Uh, very sad story. Was fortunate enough to to uh, hear Guthridge speak one time. Uh, you might remember when Dean Smith retired, Guthridge had been his longtime assistant, and he stepped over uh, and, and took over uh, that head coaching job. Uh, Bill Guthridge today passes away. You might have heard earlier this week, uh, Bobby Bowden, former Florida State coach Bobby Bowden, referred to former Seminoles quarterback Jameis Winston as an embarrassment. Uh, to the university. He said, I, you know, I think it's a consensus among Florida State fans and boosters. He was an embarrassment in a lot of ways to the university. He won a lot of games, probably one of the best football players that ever attended Florida State, but he hurt himself off the field. The good news is he's young enough to get over that. He just can't make those junior high decisions that he made when he was in college. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. We have to have some context to this. Bobby Bowden, is calling this kid an embarrassment. Uh, I want you to remember that Florida State under Bowden had that cheating scandal in 2009 when it was found that most of the players on the football team were not even taking their own tests. They had someone else doing it for them. Uh, Deion Sanders never attended class. He just played. Uh, on the 99 championship team, Peter Work and Lavernius Coles were given a bunch of free stuff. Uh, Bowden only, sus- uh, he kicked Coles off the team. He suspended Work for two games and let him keep playing because, you know, he helped him uh, keep winning. And then when Sebastian Janikowski was out missing curfew and roofing girls, he didn't suspend him whatsoever. That guy, that guy is saying, hey, Jameis, you might need to cool it just a little bit. That's pretty amazing. Hey, let's let's get into the show. Let's get going. Got a lot of things to get to today. For for it being kind of, you know, the kind of a weird time of year, we do have NBA playoffs, we have NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball's underway. And what's dominating the headlines? You know what's dominating the headlines. What dominates them year-round? The NFL. New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady was suspended four games. And 
from the Patriots franchise, the NFL fined them a million dollars and took two draft picks. They took a first rounder next year, and then the following year, they took a fourth rounder. Now, that first rounder, that, that one's rough. But that fourth rounder, oh, that really twisted the knife in there. And, you know, like I said, I, I heard from a lot of fans, a lot of fans on Twitter, uh, email, uh, you know, texts. Uh, and they said, hey, you said nothing would happen to the Patriots. What happened? What happened? They got hammered. They got blasted. The NFL came out. They suspended the golden boy for four games. That You know, they took the draft picks. They, they fined him a million dollars. They hammered him. What happened? Did they? Did they hammer him? We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Uh, you know, there's two camps when you're talking about this whole situation. There's, there's kind of two camps. And and one side, they hate Bill Belichick, and they, and they think he's a jerk. And they think he's arrogant and he's a cheater and, and, you know, the whole Spygate situation. So anything the Patriots do, throw them out. They're a bunch of cheaters. I mean, holding penalty, throw them out. Uh, pass interference, throw them out. And I understand that. I get that. But then you have the other camp. And and this camp is kind of even more entertaining. You have uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. They're both victims. They've never done anything whatsoever. They just, all they do is outsmart people and they, and they, get, they have to pay for it. And you guys are just jealous. Here's the thing. Both sides are, are, are wrong, honestly. You know, as usual, the truth lies somewhere in between the two. You know, are they victims of a witch hunt? No. No. Has much, has too much been made of this whole thing? Yeah, probably so. But are they innocent? No. Stop it. And, and stop ringing up the word sting. They keep saying, well, it was a sting operation. I even heard Tom Brady's agent drop the word sting operation. You know what they catch in sting operations? Criminals. That's who they catch in sting operations. So you might want to move away from that word. You know, but the Patriots proved the old adage, the cover-up is worse than the crime. Let's look at a few facts because I don't, I don't want to look at, you know, like feelings or whimsies. I, I heard someone speaking this week and they talked about, well, how dare the NFL do this and, and tarnish Tom Brady's career? I mean, couldn't they just let this one go? Well, we have to deal with facts. We can't deal with what we feel. Well, I don't feel like Tom would cheat. I don't feel like, uh, they, they would try to do this intentionally. I can't, I can't, you know, live in, in what I feel. I've got to deal with facts. The fact is the NFL doesn't want this. I promise you, they don't want this. I've told you before, the Patriots and the NFL are in bed together. Why on earth would the NFL want their most prominent member to be found cheating? Their Super Bowl winner, their golden boy, their MVP, they don't want him to be found cheating. I will promise you. When this Ted Wells report came out, and we saw that it found Brady guilty at least of circumstantial evidence, I'll guarantee Roger Goodell was laying on the floor crying and kicking his feet while hugging a photo of touchdown Tommy and, and, and just saying, the world is not fair. I can't believe they found that. I guarantee it. He wanted nothing to do with this. Patriots owner Robert Kraft has been one of Goodell's biggest supporters. And, and here's the thing. Goodell doesn't have many supporters. I know this, this is going to shock some of you that, that, you know, there might be some of you out there that don't. Do you realize who his boss is? His boss is the owners. He works for the owners. Do you think he wants to find his bosses guilty? It doesn't make any sense. Now, here's another fact. The Ted Wells report that came out cited text messages from locker room attendant Jim McNally, who, who, by the way, referred to himself as the deflator. <laughs> so hilarious. He's the deflator. We, we didn't do anything. He's a deflator. 
And it seems that McNally or or his his counterpart, uh, John Yastrzemski, whichever one, they were sneaking, not just going in and, and messing with the balls. They were sneaking into the officials' locker room and doctoring the balls. Now, they did this on their own, right? You got this minimum wage equipment manager job. I'm just going to go. You know what? Tom likes them a little soft. I'm going to sneak into the officials' locker room when they're not there, when they're out on the field checking stuff, and I'm going to let a little air out just on my own. Because, because I mean, I make it nine bucks an hour. It's totally worth the risk, right, of never getting a job again. You know, the, the most disturbing thing out of this whole thing, out of this whole thing, most disturbing thing of all this is the fact that Tom Brady has let these two clowns, equipment managers, kind of hang for what he has done. Let's hope he at least gets them those pair of Uggs that they wanted because they're both suspended indefinitely without pay. Classy. Now we we keep hearing, well, none of this helped them win. It didn't help them win, right? Because look, uh, they, they blew out the Colts when they when they made sure the balls were right. They blew out the Colts. So that obviously, I mean, that obviously proves. And then, hey, at the Super Bowl, they had these footballs under lock and key. So if, if that's the case, I mean, Tom Brady was still great. There's no way any of this helped them win. It couldn't have helped them. Wait a second. Let's just look at, at a couple little facts. I know, I know I'm dealing in the, in the world of fact and not the, the land of unicorns and leprechauns, but let's just look at a couple of facts because this is all about passing, right? This is all about Brady's ability to throw the ball. I don't know why he likes it that soft. Uh, Aaron Rodgers says that that's a little bit of a struggle for him to throw a ball that that soft. He likes it actually a little more inflated. I don't know why Brady likes it that soft. I don't know if it's a small hands thing. I don't know if it's a grip thing. I don't know what it is, or maybe it doesn't have anything to do with passing the football at all. From 2000 to 2006, New England Patriot ball carriers fumbled once every 42 carries. Once every 42 carries. The league average is about 46 carries. That's the average. There's some highs. There's some lows. There's teams that play in domes. There's teams that play outside. The average is about 46. Uh, Patriots were about at 42. Then a rule was put in. After the 2006 season that was backed by the Patriots, it was backed by a few different players. It was backed by Peyton Manning, I know where each team provides its own footballs so that their offense plays with their own footballs instead of the home team just providing all the footballs. Since that rule, from 2000 to present, Patriot runners, now remember, they were fumbling once every 42 carries. Since that rule went in, Patriot runners are now fumbling once every 74 carries. That's almost double. The average, again, is 46. Now, maybe, maybe Bill Belichick really found a really, really good fumble drill. Hey, this, you hold it like this, and you just never put the ball on the ground. Here's the problem. They don't play inside. They play in pretty nasty, nasty elements. We've seen, I know that I've seen the Broncos go up to New England in some horrible weather. Just uh, two years ago, we saw them go up there. It wind, ice, rain, snow. We've seen it all in New England. You know, it's it's kind of like they play uh, like in in a Chicago kind of environment or, or a Buffalo or, or you know Green Bay or something. They play in that kind of environment. Let's just keep this in mind. The Patriots, on average, now are fumbling every seventy four carries. Chicago is at forty seven. Buffalo is at forty. The Green Bay Packers are at fifty two. Closest, the closest to them in the entire league. League-wide, the closest team to the New England Patriots is the Baltimore Ravens at 55. 55 to 74? 
that's a little bit of a difference, isn't it? There, there is no advantage gained, though. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say it did, but I, I can't say that it didn't because we know that football is that game of inches, that game of, 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 you know, very, very, uh, small, fine lines of between winning and losing. You're going to tell me that none of this helped? I will say this. You can't just tell me across the board blanket statement. This didn't help them win because I don't know that. And you know what? You don't either. But hey, the league hammered them. I mean, Brady's out for four games, a million bucks, two draft picks. Well, except for that they didn't hammer him quite as bad as it looked. Because Brady is out, but he's going to be out without pay. And if you're out without pay, the Patriots are actually going to save about $20,000. It's not exactly uh, hitting them real hard. And, you know, Brady's going to appeal for a lesser sentence. They'll probably reduce it. Here's my question. How come Bill Belichick skates on all this? He didn't do anything, right? But remember Bounty Gate? Remember when the Saints were paying their players for injuring other teams and, and the, and the league came in and they, and they told head coach Sean Payton, Hey, uh, it better not happen again. And Sean Payton, you know, didn't do anything and, and they found out that it was still going on and Sean Payton got suspended for a full season. And, and they said, Hey, Sean Payton didn't do anything. And the league said, Well, he should have. And they said, Well, he didn't even know about. Well, he should have. It was on his watch. Bill Belichick didn't get anything. And this is a guy that has a history. This is a guy that has Spygate behind him already. Yeah, did they really hammer the Patriots? Not quite as hard as, as you might think. Let's move over to the NBA because we have some some regular season awards to hand out. You know, we, we've, we've been busy. We've been busy. We've had the NFL draft. We had the, the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. We've just had so many things going that we haven't got around to the to the uh, NBA regular season awards that we hand out uh, all the time. And and, and so we've, we've got to get to those. I, I know, like I said, I know we're a little bit late. I know it's coming in, uh, you know, a couple weeks later than we usually do it. But let's get to some NBA awards because we do have to hand these out. Um. Few awards to give out. First award we're going to give out is our most valuable player. I know I should probably, you know, work to some of the smaller ones and come backward, but the most valuable player and the most valuable player, of course, Steph Curry won the most valuable player this year, but that's not how we do. That's not how we do business on the daily dose. We look at things a little bit differently here uh, because is Steph Curry really the most valuable player? Great player, best player on the best team, but the best team doesn't always have to have the best player. I mean, it's a little bit different. If you have the best team, you've got talent around the best player. So I can't really tell if you're really the best player or not. Here's my MVP. I'm going to give you some regular season stats for my MVP. 24.4 points a game, 10.2 rebounds per game, and 2.2 assists per game. He drug his team somehow to the playoffs. And I don't, I don't have any idea how. I don't have any idea how we got this team to the playoffs. But when he got them to the playoffs... His, his totals actually jumped. He went from 24 points per game to 31.5 points per game. He jumped in rebounding from 10.2 to 11 rebounds per game. And his assists stayed right at about the same. It, it, my most valuable player, and it's not even close because he, he has no help on his team whatsoever. We even played a game. Name another player on his team. My most valuable player is New Orleans Pelicans forward Anthony Davis and I don't think there's any question you take him off of that team that team is is battling down at the bottom of the pile with the Lakers and the Knicks that is a horrible horrible basketball team somehow he got them into the playoffs you can't even name another another player on the team MVP Anthony Davis 
uh, coach of the year. And I know that there's a couple different, you know, ideas out there. Uh, you know, down at Atlanta, we have some coaches out, uh, you know, Washington, a couple different. My coach of the year. And, and he, I kind of got to give this caveat. Uh, Golden State, Steve Kerr. Uh, Golden State. And again, I, I realize they have a ton of talent. 67 and 15, 110 points per game. But here's the thing you have to, you have to realize. You're Golden State. You're like awful almost every single year. You've had like, in your history of existence, you've had like, I don't know, four seasons that you weren't just horrible. They were the best team in the league. Let me repeat that. The Golden State Warriors were the best team in the league. That never happens. That doesn't happen. I mean, when I think of Golden State, I think of like Joe Barry Carroll and uh, maybe some Latrell Sprewell mixed in. Um, you certainly don't think of the greatest team in the league. I mean, I, I realize they had, you know, the, the, you know, the Hardaway and, and, and all that stuff with, with Chris Bowen and everything, but uh, you're Golden State. You're horrible every year. And Steve Kerr somehow got them to be the best team in the league. My rookie of the year. Now, not a, not a ton of, of huge rookie names out there. The, the, the biggest name we all know, Andrew Wiggins up at Minnesota. Hey, dude was averaging. Like 19 points a game. He's getting some rebounds. It looks like he really has a bright future. But have you noticed that rookie of the year might be the only award that when we look at it, we just look at it and we say, okay, uh, what's the stats? Uh, points per game. Let's see. You had 17. You had 16. Oh, 17 wins. That is not how I'm going to pick any kind of an award. I can't just go off just your stats only. When Minnesota was the worst team in the league, who cares if you put up big stats? I'm not saying Wiggins can't play. I think he has a very bright future, but I don't care if you put up stats on a horrible team. That's why my rookie of the year is Chicago Bulls forward Nikola Miritich, who is getting 10.2 points per game on a team that actually competes and is actually in the playoffs. Because I don't just look at the points and go down, and that is how every single writer does it. Let's see, you're at 17, you're at 15, you're at 14, all right, 17 wins. Rookie of the year, you're the winner. No, you don't just get to play for a garbage team and put up garbage points and and, and somehow collect that award. Miritich, you got a huge, ugly beard. You're my winner for rookie of the year. Most improved player. Most improved player. And there are a few players that are out there um, that that are at least in consideration. Uh, but Jimmy Butler with Chicago Bulls, the, the job that he has done this year, and again, we talked about this a few weeks ago, when the Bulls management went to him and said, hey, uh, here's a contract, sign this contract and you'll be locked up. And he said, you know what, that's that's a decent contract, but I'm betting on myself because I think my numbers are actually going to be better and I'm going to make even more money uh, than than what you're offering me. Jimmy Butler bet on himself and it paid off. Let me give you some stats for Jimmy Butler. Last year, 13 points a game, Four rebounds a game, two and a half assists a game. This year, 20 points per game, nearly six rebounds a game, and over three assists per game with that contract on the line, with the pressure and the contract. And let's not forget the injuries that the Chicago Bulls have faced all year. Derrick Rose, in and out every week. Joe Kim Noah, in and out every week. Pau Gasol, who knows what we get from Pau every single week. Uh, so the job that Jimmy Butler has done, most improved player, and I don't think it's even close. Our sixth man of the year award. The guy that can come off the bench and really give you that spark off the bench. Valuable, valuable player. If you can find these guys, they they give you so, so much uh, from a basketball perspective. Sixth man of the year. And this, to me, isn't even close. Because not only is he the sixth man, 
He's the seventh man. He's the eighth man. He's the ninth man. And he's the tenth man. I'm talking about the Los Angeles Clippers, Jamal Crawford, who is the only bench that the Clippers even have. Because you look at the rest of their bench, it's not very good. Crawford gives them so much lift, though, when he comes into the game. He absolutely could be starting. But he takes that sixth man uh, and he and he runs with it, and, and he's fine with it. Comes off and just gives them such a huge boost. There are nights that the other team comes out, and they're going, you know, seven, eight, nine deep, and they can't do what Crawford does just as a single sixth man. He is literally the sixth through the tenth man. Lastly, our most important award that we hand out every year is our LVP. That's right, our least valuable player of the year. And the least valuable player of the year this year, actually pretty simple. There have been, you know, some winners in the past, um, Andrew Bynum, you know, different guys that just, they come out and they, and they win the LVP. Our least valuable player this year for 2015, Rajon Rondo. I want you to think back to December when that trade was made with the Boston Celtics. The Dallas Mavericks were sitting at 20 and eight. They looked like they might be on the verge. Uh, maybe, maybe they could even make a little run. If they could put this together, Dallas might be kind of a team to watch. They, you know, they're starting to get some good offensive movement. I know Dirk's old and he can't defend, but you know, they've got some pieces there. They've got a couple different, different, you know, things there that they could do. And then Rajon Rondo got there and we were like, you know, Rondo, when he was with the Celtics, he looked like he didn't really care. He wasn't trying to play defense. He wasn't really working very hard. But once he gets on a better team, that's just because of that poisonous situation. Once he gets on a better team, that's really going to, we're going to see a huge change. We're going to see that light switch click on. He's going to start playing better and it's going to work. It went so much worse than we ever could have dreamed. He came into Rick Carlisle's offense and had to dominate the ball, which it doesn't work for Carlisle. Carlisle stuff is a lot more read, react, cut, move. You can't control the ball nonstop because if you do, everything stops. Everybody stands. You need the ball and you need movement. Um, he came in, dominated the ball, totally killed the offense completely destroyed that offense, totally killed the locker room. After starting 20 and eight, they finished 50 and 32. And then in the playoffs, Rondo flat out quit and said he wouldn't be playing anymore. He had a back injury. Our least valuable player of the year goes to Rajon Rondo. Well done. And hey, good news, Laker fans. He's going to be with you soon. As we do every single week, we have got to get to our Daily Dose Top 5. I've told you in the past, the Daily Dose Top 5, it kind of just has a mind of its own. You never know where it's going to go. It, it could go historical. It could give you some insight. It could go just something just something completely goofy. You just don't know. Uh, this week, with the Deflate Gate scandal going on, uh, I, I went back to the memory bank and started thinking about the most memorable scandals. Now, for me... Obviously, the most memorable scandals. I can't go back to like the 1919 Black Sox or or even the 72 Olympic basketball team. I, I wasn't alive. So I had to go uh, with the scandals that, that actually I can remember. But the scandals that just dominated the headlines, the scandals that really, really caught our attention the most. And so this week, the Daily Dose Top 5, my most memorable sports scandals. Um, and, and like I said, uh, there are a number I know that are out there that are bigger 
there are a number, but these are the ones that probably, I guess, just stood out to me the most as far as uh, being being so memorable. Number five on our list, Daily Dose Top 5, My Most Memorable Scandals in Sports. It has to be the Penn State child sex abuse scandal of 2011, uh, and the former assistant coach, Jerry Sandusky, was indicted on 52 counts of child molestation. Uh, Sandusky was sentenced to 442 years in prison. Let's hope that the paybacks in prison for him are rough. Um, number four on our list of most memorable sports scandals uh, has to be Kobe Bryant's trip to Colorado in July of 2003. You know, the, the strange thing about this, and again, these are the things that dominated the headlines. The, the sports talk, all the major stations, even you know CNN and, and the news, it was the biggest stories of the day. Uh, here you have Kobe Bryant in his prime. Uh, comes out to Edwards, Colorado to get some treatment or something on his knee. And and a sexual assault complaint was filed by this 19-year-old hotel employee. Kobe had this press conference and his wife is sitting next to him and they're both crying. And it, it was just completely uh, surreal. The trial was a little bit I, I kind of shady a little bit. Kobe's lawyer uh, released the victim's name publicly which you, which you absolutely cannot do and shouldn't do. Uh, they ended up settling out of court and, and Bryant apologized, uh, which was kind of weird to apologize to this victim for, uh, mutual whatever. I, I don't know what he apologized for, but he apologized. And, and the weirdest thing to me about any of this is, you know, that's been back, you know, that was back in 2003. The weirdest thing to me is if you bring any of this up to Laker fan, Laker fan is completely stunned. How? Dare you bring that up? Don't you realize that that was number eight? Kobe Bryant is number 24. It's not even the same guy. I don't know why you bring that up. It, it really is kind of a strange, strange phenomenon, but that, the Kobe Bryant thing absolutely dominated the headlines. Number three on our list of most memorable scandals, the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan mess, uh, January 6th, 1994, uh, Tanya Harding's main U.S. competitor, Nancy Kerrigan. And let's just get this on the table. Neither one of these ice skaters were very good. Uh, but they were both ice skaters that were going to be competing in the upcoming Olympics uh, in 1994. It, it was really, really strange. Kerrigan gets attacked after a morning practice to prepare for the 94 Olympics. You might remember uh, someone came in and actually bludgeoned her over the knee with like a crowbar. And then she laid in the hallway screaming, why? Why? Uh, but it turns out that it was some friends of Tanya Harding that were trying to eliminate Kerrigan from being any kind of a, of a competition to her, uh, either in the, in the nationals or in the Olympics. It's such a bizarre, like if you wrote a movie, no one would believe this. They're like, no, that's way too stupid. Would never happen. Uh, neither one of them are really great skaters, but Kerrigan actually kind of got her game back together. She healed up in time for the Olympics and somehow, I don't know how, one silver. Um, Harding finished eighth in the Olympics and like broke her shoelace and cried about it. Um, but if you remember, uh, you know, sports at that time, this bizarre ice skating story totally dominated every headline in the news, in the papers. It, it was everywhere. You couldn't get away from it. You couldn't turn on your TV or radio and not hear about Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. It was everywhere. Uh, number two on my list, most memorable scandals has to be Pete Rose in 1989 after the, the, one of the most amazing careers ever played in the game of baseball or any sport. Rose was questioned, uh, by at the time commissioner Peter Uberoth about betting on baseball. 
And he denied it and denied it and denied it. For 15 years, he denied it. Finally, in 2004, because he was trying to get into the Hall of Fame, finally in 2004, Pete Rose admitted, okay, yeah, I did bet on baseball, but I never bet against our own team. I only bet for us because that was how much faith I had and all this stuff. And despite being one of the greatest ever, he's completely banned from the Hall of Fame. Uh, is not even eligible to be on the ballot. They don't even put him on the ballot. And here was the one thing, and I know this in no way compares to the Tom Brady situation, but the lying and the cover-up are what made it so much worse. I really think if Rose would have come out originally and said, yes, I did it, uh, I ask your forgiveness, sit me out for 10 years or whatever it might be, I think he might have actually got on the ballot at some point in our lifetime, as it is now. It doesn't look like they're going to change that anytime soon because he lied and lied and lied. We know you did it. Just admit it. Number one on my list, most memorable sports scandals. June 12th, 1994. OJ Simpson, former Heisman winner and NFL running back, lopped off his ex-wife and her friend's heads. Not not exactly how you remember that. Well, that's actually what happened. Um, you know, he refused to turn himself in. After all this happened, he refused to, to turn himself in. He went and stayed with Robert Kardashian. Yes, that Kardashian. Where we saw Robert Kardashian actually taking like a bag of clothes, may or may not have blood all over him, and uh, disposing of them and getting rid of, I don't know, some might call it evidence. And then we saw this low speed chase on live television uh, during like the Knicks Rockets game. And OJ Simpson is, is in the back of this white Ford Bronco. Everybody is watching this thing on TV. It is one of, again, one of the most surreal things I've ever seen in my entire life as we watch OJ going 20 miles an hour, uh, trying to avoid having to turn himself in for the murder. He ends up, uh, having the trial, gets declared not guilty. Uh, in that verdict, in, in what was easily the trial of the century. And, you know, it was, it was really weird because it, there was this total split, uh, of people. I really think OJ did it. Really think OJ didn't do it. The evidence. Now, if you got into the actual evidence, you kind of went, okay. Yeah. He obviously did it. I mean, he had, he had his victim's blood on his car and on his person. I don't know how that got there. Just magical, I guess. Uh, but if you actually looked at the evidence, but there was this real split thing of, uh, you know, we hope OJ gets off. It would be a, a real stroke for, you know, the common person. And it, it was really, really kind of weird. Um, and, and when OJ got, you know, found not guilty, uh, there were celebrations. There were, you know, we won, we won. We finally, you know, got, he got off and we won. And I think a lot of those people that won are actually still waiting uh, for their winnings to arrive. They probably didn't get anything, but without a doubt, the most memorable scandal has to be OJ Simpson and him running uh, after after killing those two people was actually later found guilty in a in a civil court case uh, of killing them and then and then later yet found guilty of armed robbery uh, and is serving time I believe in the state of Nevada in prison there is your daily dose top 5 most memorable sports scandals hey i hope that you are enjoying a look back at some of the daily dose episodes from the past Maybe you've been listening all along. Maybe you are a little bit newer to the show, but you kind of get a taste for what we have done so far on this show. I have to say thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose. For all of you that share the show, thank you so much. It is appreciated. Hey, make sure you stop by tpublic.com and pick up your Daily Dose gear and get over to ESPN and join The Daily Dose group. 
We want to see how many people we can get to join our bracket challenge. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Wednesday.